Welcome, everyone. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rob. And we are the hosts of Fall. And today we are going to cover verse 13 of the Tao, maybe 14, depending on um, how this goes, but uh, 13 of the Tao. Um, and... I feel like we say this every time, but we just had a conversation before we started this. And this totally aligns with the conversation we had before we started recording, which is, you know, just always. Always the synchronicity. Yes. Always the synchronicity. Can't get away from it. No. And like we were talking about earlier, earlier, you just have to be open to seeing the synchronicity because they're always. Yeah. That's the truth, too. And so many of us are so busy in our lives with conditioned habitual thoughts taking over or just trying to, you know, put the kids on the school bus that we miss that quiet stillness that speaks to us and shows us synchronicities. Yeah. It's almost like, actually, you know, physical reality is a blueprint. We just have to look at it like that. You know, physical reality is going to tell you about yourself because that's what you're drawing to yourself. It's your blueprint. But, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just, I, I mean it as it might be helpful for some people if they see it like that and they, it it might be easier for them to understand what's going on within them and their emotions and their, you know, habitual thoughts, whatever it may be, but you know, it's going on inward. To me, a blueprint means a, something to follow, to make a creation. It's like directions to make a manifestation. Yeah. It's like a foundation. Physical reality? Yeah, I'm confused yeah, I, now. Maybe I don't understand what you're saying because I feel like physical reality is not a f- foundation, but it's a representation of our thought patterns. Yeah. Physical reality shows up, you know, that's the, the building blocks for physical reality is the thoughts. To me. No, yeah, yes, no, I totally agree with you, but sometimes... It's easier to look in the physical and see what's going on before looking inward. So oh, you, could, okay. you could look at physical reality as the building blocks for going within. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, that makes sense. So I look out into my physical world and I say, oh, this this is representing what's going on in my mind. Yeah. If I don't like this physical world, I need to make a mental adjustment. Got it. Yeah. So I think you can look at it both ways. You could go inward first and then see the outward change, or you could look at, you know, everything that's going on outwardly and, you know, bring that inward as well. Yes. So I guess whatever's easier for you to uh, perceive, you know, in the Yeah, and it's both. In my life, it's certainly both. I'm I'm looking at my physical reality and and I'm saying um, my, my... my relationships are getting better. So my relationship with you is better. My relationship with um, my significant other is better. My relationship with work is better. Uh, Finances are getting better. Um, Health is really good. Uh, So I'm looking at my physical reality and I'm saying, whoa, this is working. Uh, I'm staying at peace up here and and it's showing itself out here in the world. And then I can get specific if I want. And I can say, well, I think I want a little bit more of this. I want some more chocolate ice cream. So how do I manifest that? And then I go within my mind and I make those affirmations and make that show up. So, yeah, I see the process. I see why you're saying blueprint. Yeah. Well, see, it's funny, you know. We both had different thoughts on that, but then we both agreed once we saw it a certain way. So 
I, you know, this points to such a, a greater reality here, which is um, people get into arguments and people think people are wrong. And really, it's not. It's just how I perceive things and how you perceive things. And your perception of reality is absolutely true to you. And I have to afford you that right. And you can do the same for me and we can do the same for everyone else on the planet, which is, you know, if you think life stinks, then go ahead. You can believe that. And yeah. people have that divine right to perceive life however they want. But I think you and I, you know, we started this podcast to kind of share with people that we can change the perception of reality and we can change reality. We have those two within our, all, all people have those within their power. And yeah. that's part of why we share this podcast with the world is because we've learned something and we want to express that to the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about being better than another person. And it's not about being above a person. I think it's just we found a way that works for our lives and we were we are both happy to share that way, but you know, it doesn't mean that's going to work for everybody and that's the reason why it's supposed to not work for everybody to have another difference, to have another experience. It's we're not all supposed to be aligned. That's the point. We're supposed to be harmonized. We're supposed to be all one because we all, we all are one. We are one consciousness. We are the universe that that doesn't mean we're, we, you know, need to have the same viewpoints on everything. Right. So we can be this individual expression of the one consciousness, which is has a slightly different experience. Um, it's about our interpretation of the experience. It's not about the experience. You know, yeah. I can go watch a movie and um, absolutely love it. And you could watch the same movie and absolutely hate it. It's not about the experience. It's about our interpretation of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Which honestly, it all kind of relates to this verse anyways. <laughs> For sure. Do you want to read your um, translation and then I'll read my translation? Sure. sure. Not mine, but Stephen Mitchell's. I have a translation by Stephen Mitchell. And I have one that I got at um, Barnes & Noble. I don't even know who translated this, but it's somewhere in here. But So my translation, uh, verse 13, success is, a success is as dangerous as failure, and we are often our worst enemy. What does it mean that success is as dangerous as failure? He who is superior is also someone subordinate. Receiving favor and losing it both calls alarm. That is what it's meant by success is, a dangerous, is as dangerous as failure. What does it mean that we are often our worst enemy? The reason I have an enemy is because I have a self. If I no longer had a self, I would no longer have an enemy. Love the world Love the whole world as if you were yourself, and then you will truly care for all things. Yep. Love it. I love the Tao. I just... How can you make that more beautiful and more plain than that? Like... Such a simple way to live life, and so many people miss it. Yeah. Stephen Mitchell, the translation by Stephen Mitchell, I'll just read through that. And I, I want to stop at the, the when, when I want to explain these in my terminology. Okay. So to start, uh, the Tao Te Ching, verse 13, 
I want to express that there is a baseline where where the peace that passes all understanding, have mental heaven on earth, um, pure love. There's this baseline where everything can can come from. It's the universal baseline. I don't know any other words to put it. I'm I'm trying to use different you. ways to describe it for different people, but. So coming, reading the Tao from this baseline of the peace that passes all understanding, uh, it says success is as dangerous as failure. Why? Well, because I'm on this baseline of, of, of just absolute ease of life. I'm the oak tree growing with zero concerns, just knowing that mother, the great earth, the great mother is going to give me sunshine as the oak tree. It's going to give me rain as the oak tree, or if I'm a bird, it's going to feed me. Um, or if I'm a human, um, I'm going to be taken care of. And the moment that I start putting my self, my egoic self beyond the universal wisdom now I'm creating danger and failure. So success is as dangerous, or I'm sorry, success and failure. So success is as dangerous as failure because I've left my center. Like we had talked last time about the, the Tao, the center of the wheel. Um, I, when the baseline, this, this piece that passes all understanding is the best place to operate from. And the moment I try to become successful, I, then there's the opportunity to be fa be a failure. I don't need to try to become successful. I'm, I'm at the baseline. I'm already fulfilled. I have everything I need. Um, so then it goes on to say hope is as hollow as fear. Why would I need hope if I don't have fear? Why would I have fear yeah. if I didn't have hope? There We've left the baseline. We've left the oak tree's wisdom, the bird's knowledge the, the, that we are going to be taken care of. Um, what does it mean that success is as dangerous as failure? Whether you go up the ladder or down it, your position is shaky. And that's so true. We've le we leave the baseline. Um, Stephen Mitchell goes on to say about verse 13, uh, when you stand with your two feet on the ground, you always keep your balance. What does it mean that hope is as hollow as fear? Hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. And that's the egoic self to say, oh, Joey has more than I do right there. I'm, I, I've left the center. I've left the peace that passes all understanding. I've joined the rest of the humans in the world in the human sandbox, and I want to play. I'm better than you, but I only want to point to the people that I'm better of because there's people over here that are better than me. But no, I'm busy right now making myself feel better at pointing at this low life. Oh, do I want to play victim now? Now I'm going to point at these people that are better than me. I say, see, I'm a victim. That's playing in the worldly sandbox. I don't play there anymore. My mind is in the peace that passes all understanding. So, and then it goes on and says, see the world as yourself, have faith in the way things are, love the world as yourself, then you can care for all things. And in this portion, self is not re referring to as the egoic self. It's just the eternal self. So um, see the world as my myself it's just a representation so when i look out into the world like you were saying earlier um the blueprint i look out there and say oh that's a that's a representation of me i must need to make some adjustments on the inside that's all that is so that's how i interpret the the dow verse 13 so while you're explaining i made a connection um, and it's kind of funny and ironic. So the Tao always goes back and forth, right? So success and failure, good and bad, yin, yang. The Tao the does it all the time, right? And he, and Lao Tzu does this to explain this to us. But it's funny, at least in my head, it's funny. So success is as dangerous as failure. 
success and failure. When we put those two words into a sentence, everybody as a collective on this planet who speaks English knows that those two are opposites. But the funny, ironic part is that if we shift back to verse 8 of the Tao, Lao Tzu talks about competition, and he says, only when there is no competition will we live in peace. Without the competition of comparing success and failure. Because we know that everything happens for a reason. And the Tao, the Great Mother, the universe is putting these things in here to make us look at the differences, but not to compete with them, but to just understand that they are. So I just think it's kind of ironic. You know, he he goes back and forth all the time, but it's not ironic because it's supposed to be that way. And this book is supposed to be exactly the way it's supposed to be because that's how the universe wanted it. But it's just, it makes me feel free to know that I don't have to compete with myself. I am exactly who I am supposed to be. My life path is exactly how it is supposed to be. Was there some painful, not so great parts? Yes, of course, but I've, I've, I've given my love to, to my, you know, my past. And I understand that I needed to go through those moments for, this wonderfulness that I'm living in now and I know I'm going to live in in the future. So don't compete with yourself and don't compete with others because once we love the whole world as ourselves, we are truly at peace without competition. So I just, I like that. Love yourself. There's one big, huge thing. Um, love yourself on the divine sense, not the egoic self. So yeah. love ourselves not by not because I have a college education or because I am a professional basketball player, but love myself on the deepest divine level, not not materialistic reasons, just because I'm a cr- creative expression of the one consciousness whether I'm a pro ball player or um, I'm a dad doing a Zoom call with my daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Love, love, love yourself. Um, And then the other part that I get from what you're saying is to uh, just disregard all the mental commentary that don't have to fix so much in the world, just have to stop the comparisons. Yeah. Yeah. And you are exactly who you're supposed to be. You know, like, I I wish I had some way to explain what being enough means to me. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of that and what truly enough means to me in my life and, you know, to my inner child. And for me, it's still a work in progress. And I You know, I'm not some person just sitting here on a pedestal saying that I have everything figured out. Um, So I just wanted to express that, that I, you know, we're, we're not all perfect and me being enough doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It just means that I am who I am and that's enough. All of that mental commentary is, it's amazing. Yes, we have to have this conversation with ourselves to say that right now where I am is enough. Even that is bullshit. We don't even have to do that. We don't even have to tell ourselves that where we are is enough. The ego wants to do that. The, the, The false self wants to do that. But we, on the deepest level, when we get really quiet, we wake up in the morning, we look around, this is enough. It has to be. It has to be enough. It has to. I mean, 
we're breathing, we're living. I mean, what better gift do we get than that? So why am I going to fuck around with my brain? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, all of this mental noise that comes in and it tells us that we're, we're not good enough or we have to... We have to do something to be good enough or we don't have to do anything to be good enough. All of that mental commentary is ego. The only real self is that silent right here in the space. There it is. That's that's the real self. That's where all of it is. That's where the peace that passes understanding is. That's where true love is. That's where abundance is that's where healing is but we get that so wrong so backwards so backwards mm. so so unbelievably crazy it's all about keeping the center it's all about not doing any more comparisons no more judgments, just get quiet and still. I remember I was on a, um, I was in a bunch of groups on Facebook. I'm not going to call them out, but um, one particular, you know, I was posting my thoughts on all of this, which is obviously my opinion. I'm, it's, it's my version of truth. It always is. So we, we actually, I was saying this earlier, you know, you have the right to your version of your perception of reality and so forth. Anyway, I was putting out there that um, thoughts stop thinking. Thoughts are the problem. The, the Tao even speaks to this in, in some cases. Um, thoughts are the problem. It's the mental commentary. And this person said, oh, hold off, hold off. I'll have to tell the, all the professional people that have thousands of hours of education and the smartest people in the world that all they have to do is stop thinking and all this world's problems are solved. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. yeah obviously. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you, when you have that veil in front of your eyes, you know, when you're, what is it? The, the Maya, you know, when you seriously, you seriously can't see and that's okay. You seriously like don't, can't see, can't see it. That's, that's okay. Yeah. That's important to point out. I'm glad you bring that up because, um, we don't know what we don't know. And it's so easy for me to know something, look into your life and say, how could you possibly not know that? You ding-dong. Because oh, yeah. it makes sense to me. So I'm like going, what? This is so common sense to me. But people's perception of reality is completely different. And, and that's where the problem is. Me assuming that because I know it, you should know it too, or anyone else on the planet. And that's not the case. And so... We have to no. give people the latitude and the room to make the mistakes that they make uh, in, in their lives. Obviously, compassion and empathy and help them in the areas where they want to be helped. But we also have to step back and allow people to make a mess of their lives when they don't want our help anymore. Yeah. We can only do so much. And... I, I especially have learned that I am, you know, people can help me out, but I'm the only one that's going to understand me the best. And I am the only one that can truly help myself. And I needed to be in a quiet place to do that. So... You know, there may be some people in your life that are not going to understand that you feel like you have to do something to feel better about yourself. And there might be some people in your life that are not going to understand that. And that's okay. As long as you know that it's your divine right and your divine nature to go and do what you need to do, you know, it's what you need to do. 
the the mind has all of these um, ideas of what it of what the world should look like, and I think the body has all of these desires of what it wants, and I think mm. practicing denial of the habitual thoughts, not wise thoughts, not divine thoughts, but the yeah. habitual thoughts, and they are usually packed with some sense of uneasiness that's how we know that they're habitual it's not a they don't come with a pleasant feeling so and then so when we practice um not entertaining those habitual thoughts and when we practice not fulfilling all of the body's desires or delaying the body's desires we're i think we're taking back some uh, I don't know. I'm cautious about the words that I use here. I I, I want to say we're taking back control, but I, I don't like that. Um, but we're allowing space in our life and we're guiding our meditative thoughts towards purity when we do that. And so, for instance, um, food, uh, just to, extend your hunger pain for five minutes longer. If, if that's, you know, I'm not saying hurt ourselves. I'm saying just, just instead of the body running our lives, Oh, I'm hungry. I got to go to the refrigerator at 2 AM and eat. No, well, okay. If you have problems, which I did, I, 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 I was a comfort food eater and I over, over ate and I wanted like these piles of food in my stomach and I just started to practice this very in small way. Um, yeah. I'm going to hold off for five minutes. I'm not saying hold off all day. You don't have to do a 24-hour fast. Just practice telling the body and the mind, the habitual thoughts and the desires of the body that we're going to hold off a little bit. We're just going to hold off a little bit. And that somehow frees up the mind into this pure love of space. I, I don't quite know how to explain it, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I feel like it's being in your divine power. And I and I mean that like your actual divine power, not like power over people. But when you do that, you're you're, you're showing yourself. When you, when you realize, you know, going back to the overeating thing and you realize you're overeating and you, you take five minutes to just realize this is happening. You show yourself that you're powerful enough to go through it, you know, because a lot of times it's the mind telling you, you're not good enough. Just go eat. You know, and when you just do it enough for five minutes, you go, oh, actually, I just did that. Like, I was powerful enough to abstain for five minutes. Like, and the yeah, more you, just, you do that. Yeah. You just said something that I thought was really important, which is the mind says you're not good enough. So you go and eat. And that's, you know, that's what all the spiritual people say. You're filling a void. Yeah. And you're right. So you're not good enough. So you're not eat. enough. You're not enough. And so what do we do? Whatever it is, overwork, overeat. But yeah, sorry, I cut you off. That was just great verbiage right there. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's super important. And knowing that you can abstain for just five minutes, just five, it's, it's not an eternity. And knowing that you can do that kind of gives you the momentum to keep going. You know, it's showing you in the physical world that you had enough power to do whatever it was that you needed to do. And it shows you physically through your own eyes that you are enough. You know, and the more you do that, it's going to get addictive. At least for me, it is because I keep showing up for myself. And the more I do that, the more I believe it. And it's just a good way for me to feel better about myself. It's a great there's, physical representation. 
there's a version of this that I learned a long time ago in the military. I was in the 82nd Airborne and in basic training, you go without food for a certain amount of time for quite a while and then excessive exercise for quite a while and no sleep. And you combine all these things together. And the, and my thoughts before going into the military was, yeah, I could probably go X amount of time without food or whatever. You know, uh -huh. we have these think, thoughts, but it's not until I'm pushed to the limits. And when later I realized, wow, I didn't realize that I could go so that I could that I could do much more than what my mind thought I could do. Yeah. And so this is that's a version of what we're talking about right here, because just to extend the hunger pain for five more minutes, people are so quick to jump on body responses and mind responses. And, you know, the, the mind says, oh, you can't do this or you should do this or whatever. And when we just delay that for a little bit of time, we start to recognize that power that we have. Absolutely. And, you know, no one could run like a, what was it, a five-minute mile until one person did. And then everybody ran a five-minute mile. I mean, everybody said that the, we wouldn't get to the moon and then you know, we got to the moon and now we've got spacecrafts and, you know, somebody's building, trying to build a hotel up in space. Like we do it once, we prove it to ourselves once, and then we just keep growing within that. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again within history. It's breaking boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. It is shown to us again and again and again throughout generations. The biggest boundary, I think, or the biggest limiting belief, I think, that, that humans face is that if they can't touch it, taste it, see it, hear it, smell it, it doesn't exist. And we know for a fact that manifestations come from nowhere. You, you can't put a drawing on a piece of paper um, without it coming from nowhere. Where did it come before you had the thought to put it onto the paper? Where did that come from? Yeah. We trace everything back to zero existence. I'm not sure why I brought that up, but I felt compelled to say that. No, yeah, no. In in quantum physics, they talk about like um, in like sacred geometry, and um, you know, in quantum physics, they talk about zero point. They have a name for it. They call it zero point is where everything starts from and then everything expands from zero point. And when we go to a place of no thought in a, or when we're at peace, when we're in meditative peace, whatever you want to call it, we are at zero point. And it is a place of nothingness and everything. That's where manifestations come from in the, they call it the, the, the net of space-time, the net of consciousness, hmm. starting from zero point. That, that reminds me of, you know, we're talking about manifestations, so that kind of like brought my mind into this category, which is, um, it's it's been on my mind lately. I For some reason, this, what I'm about ready to, to say is, like the past month or so, this keeps coming up, and I'm I'm not sure why, but it is the fact that we we look at a really expensive house, let's say, or an expensive uh -huh. car, um, and we look at our bank account and say, "Well, I can't afford that." Um, the what's what what is this obviously it isn't going to be an easy answer to this question but what is more valuable what is worth more money a house or a human body obviously the human body yeah and how much did i pay for my human body nothing i was just given this machine and said here you go express yourself the best way that you can for nothing, zero. I paid nothing for this. This is way worth way more. I mean, how much is do, do, do these artificial intelligence, these robots that <laughs> walk around and balance, these are millions of dollars. 
Why on earth would we think that a manifestation is going to take anything more than nothing? Why, why do we think that a house, having a house, is going to take more than nothing? It shouldn't. Manifestations should, should be able to come from nothing. They yeah. do. We, we entered this body without paying a price for it. So the rest of the world is the same way. We just need to learn how to create through the creative experience, the creative process, and become one with the great mother and allow things into existence. I, I firmly believe that can be done. I, I don't have manifestations down pat. I don't have a patent for it. I don't have a plan. It all laid out. But I told you before we started this podcast today that, you know, my, my life's, you know, I want to be able to manifest something from nothing, prove it, put it in writing. But I think that's yeah. already happened. So the moment we're manifested into this body for nothing, that is proof right there. True. Yeah. I don't know how I got off on that little tangent, but um, that has been in my mind for some reason. I'm like, I paid nothing for this body. Why did, why, why should there be a cost for anything else? That's Everything true, else is yeah. less valuable. Yeah. And, and even further than that, the universe wasn't born and the universe isn't, is not going to die. And we are the universe. So even beyond our physical bodies, the things that literally make us exist, just exist. There's, there's, they exist. What a great way to, to live the rest of our lives as if we're on our deathbed. I know that sounds a little peculiar but yeah. I watched this movie I think it was called The Professor but I'm not sure anyway this person only had uh, like six months left to live and um, I, I've figured this out now because it doesn't make sense to say you know th th it sounds sucky to say I only have six months to live this makes me so happy and I'm going to enjoy life but it's not yeah. that it's that the the conditioned habitual thoughts that normally come in and sabotage our day that say you're not good enough your bank account doesn't have enough money in it your 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 partner is smarter than you your whatever those don't exist if we have 6 months to live the mind is not going to do that anymore the mind is going to shift and it's going to say um you uh things like um am i valuing this moment oh my god this is the last this is the last February 10th that I will ever get to spend with you, Hannah. It's going to wake me up. I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to pay really yeah. close attention to this conversation with you right now. I'm going to be very present minded. I'm not going to be biting my nails, worrying about bills, worrying about what's up. I'm going to be super dialed in to life in the now. And that's what living from the end means. And I started doing this, by the way. So um, I, for some reason, I just have it in my head that I'm going to die when I'm 100. It's just some okay. weird number, some even number that came into my head. So um, I'm 51. And I say to this all, all the time, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm dying. I have a terminal illness and I have 49 years left to live. <laughs> and that has really helped me to dial into the present moment. Because I there's habitual thoughts that come in and say, well, you should worry about, did you, did you, did you pay your bill or whatever? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't even exist. All I want to do is be present with my daughter on this podcast in this moment, because this is the last time, the last February 10th in 2024 that I'll ever get to spend with you. And it just cranks it up. It just cranks up living in the present moment. You know, I think that's a really good example and i think maybe everyone should have an example of that i you know i i wish we didn't you know i wish we could just step into the divine and just you know totally be okay with you know everything um but a drive like that would really you know is really really helpful and for you that clicks and it does click for me too um 
the, the, the thought that came into my head while you were explaining that is, oh my God, yes, absolutely. Like totally drive, di- uh, driving with you. But then I thought if I was in an anxiety situation, would that thought pop into my head? Would a thought like that come in and shift my focus? Like, I'm, I'm not trying to put that out there, but I, I'm just trying to, like, process that. Like, is you're there saying, some, Yeah. You're saying that if you were anxious, would a thought like, hey, let's live from the end of the world as if I'm going to die come into your head? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I think that if you're truly living in the present moment, those anxious thoughts can't come in. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm trying to explain. But I, I, you know, for those for those people who, you know, haven't gotten there yet, and I haven't either, like, we shouldn't need that. But that would be a really great tool and a technique to have if we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another tool and technique that's just popping into my head while we're talking is, uh, you, you remember how, um, cold water therapy is good for people that have anxiety. They get in this ice cold water. And I think what it's doing is it's stopping the brain from thinking and it's going into like survival mode or something. It's just like, Ooh, I'm cold. And the the body does, just doesn't worry about bills or, or whether we said some, something wrong. Um, and I, so the other thing that goes along with that, when, when I was talking earlier about delaying gratification to the body, um, when I delay eating, I've only started this. So um, Stacy and I, she's uh, she fasts kind of on a daily basis and they're not super long fasts. Well, I, I don't know if you consider them super long or not, but it's like 20 hours, uh, give or take. And right. um during this time frame, it's like cold water therapy. My body is saying, I want to eat. And my oh. mind is not off on habitual conditioned thoughts during this time. My mind yeah. is not off on, did you say the right thing to Johnny? It's saying, go eat. It's it's a habit it's saying, go eat. And and I'm fine, by the way. I'm not, this, this isn't hard for me. I'm not like stressing my body out. This is very comfortable. I want to do this. I'm challenging myself to fast on occasion. And yeah. um, I just noticed that it's, it's, it's another form of stopping the conditioned habitual thoughts, mm. delaying gratification, yeah. delaying the desires of the body. Yeah. Yeah. Those techniques are good. And I feel like that's why like, um, guided meditations help, um, uh, shamans when they do journeying, they use drums to keep the mind busy and listen to the drums while you have something, you know, like else deeper going on. So like it, it's, it's like a technique that's been used for so long breath work when you're doing uh, meditation, like all of those things. And I want to point out that for the longest time in my head, I, I would say that that my ego would say that was cheating. So I just, if that is something that pops up in somebody's head, please just don't listen to that because it's not cheating. What's cheating? It's a technique. What is? Of, of getting the the ego off of its habitual trip by drums or cold water therapy, all of those sort of things. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't. You're right. That's definitely not cheating. That's actually the path. That's yes. the way to the way. My mind used to call that cheating. Oh, geez. Yeah, not for me. Yeah. Yeah, all physical modalities, no matter what they are, whether it's ayahuasca, Mm. (laughs) whether it's drinking alcohol, whether it's doing a chant, whether it's um, meditation or prayer, no matter what it is, whatever that physical modality is, um, I think it's, it's pointing a way to the way. It's not the way. It's just pointing away to the way to spiritual, mental freedom. Yeah. 
Yep, absolutely. Totally agree with you. But I just wanted to point that out there. Like if somebody else had that thought, just don't listen to that. That's that's the ego. <laughs> but right. that was one of my thoughts. Yeah. And then after you break those limiting beliefs, so you get rid of those thoughts uh, that are limiting beliefs, then you get this openness and you're like, hmm, now what do I believe? And now yeah. we have to start injecting things. So we find our base of peace. We find this very pleasant place inside of us, very harmonious, pure love. And now we have to start, now we can manifest from there rather than karmic creation from the hamster wheel of fear and we make the same mistakes you know the the alcoholic goes back to the alcohol the 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 victim goes back to being victimized goes back to the abuser now we have this place of peace and now we have to start injecting these wonderful things that are coming from our creative expression of who we are and so that can be uh, hey, do I want to go for a walk today? Or do I want to um, be an artist? Do I want to draw? Do I want to dance? Uh, do I just want to do a podcast with my daughter? Do I want to sit and meditate? Whatever it is, yeah. um, once we stop all of that conditioned habitual thinking, whoa, it's like, what do I do with my life? Uh, and that's where we get to start ground zero and build from peace, not fear. And that's a wonderful place to start putting the building blocks in. It's fun. Now it's creative. Now I can learn how to express myself in ways that all the limiting beliefs are gone. It doesn't say that I have to be this type of student to be able to go to school. I can be a C student and enjoy college. I can be lousy in bed and enjoy sex. Um, yeah. But um I can be a car racer and be come in last place and still love to drive NASCAR. It's Whatever a great place. place to just live life from. Takes all those limiting beliefs off. Something that you said reminded me of something I heard of. Um, you said once we let go of all those limiting beliefs, we can put in good things. And actually, I heard this from a Reiki master the other day. She, she was talking and um, she says, when we get rid of negative energy within the body, we're getting literally getting rid of it within your, your, um, your field, your, your auric field, your, your magnetic field, whatever you want to call it. But the energy within your body and around you. And when we, through energy healing, whatever, mental work, when we get rid of that negative energy, there's a space there. And it's super important to bring in love and light into that space to become more divine because that's, that's an empty space that was taken up by a negative energy that needs to be replenished. So that's kind of like what we do in real life, you know, once we realize all of these, all of these other thoughts that we thought were ourselves, we go, okay, well, what the heck do I actually do now? And you have to replenish, you know, you have to re replenish what you've finally gotten rid of. So I just thought that was a cool synchronicity. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it brings up a bunch of stuff, um, you know, probably is okay to live from a place of absolute pure love and peace with no thought at all. And maybe we don't have to make affirmations and manifestations. Maybe it's okay to just live from nothingness, but most of us are human and we want it. We came here to create and live passionate lives and enjoy emotions it's just when we're taken over by like emotions is the problem. But um, yeah, there is a, there is a place of nothingness that some do live from that they don't need that creative spirit. You know, there's some Buddha type lifestyles out there that they're just like the frequency holder. And I actually experienced some of that. So for the two years that I've been in Vegas, 
maybe six months of that, I felt like I was just a frequency holder. I had no desires to go anywhere. Uh, I sat and meditated for hours on end and I loved it. I was in pure mental heaven. And then I just started to want more. I, I, not in a place yeah. of lack though. I, I didn't feel that I was lacking. I just wanted more. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Not all of us have to have high hopes and high dreams and manifestations and Ferraris and we can just live a normal life of peace. That's okay too. Whatever it is you desire, just go and get it. As long as it's in the divine, as long as it's not murdering somebody, just go do it. Well, that was what my book was about. I, I wrote the book, um, Stop Thinking How to Break Free from Depression and Anxiety Two Minutes at a Time. That I wrote in there, the only thing we ever need to remember is alignment to the divine. Everything is answered from there. All of that is answered. And I firmly believe that. But oh, that's yeah. in my words that, you know, that so to someone else that may not make 100 percent sense. And that's OK. But for me, if I'm tired, if I'm uh, excited, if I'm in love, if I'm sad, like all of the the experience of being human, as long as I'm aligned to the divine is fine. All of life is fine, no matter where I am, no matter what is going on. It's all fine. Spinal injury, fine. Even slight, mild, some depression comes in, that's fine. As long as it doesn't overtake me, I just stay aligned to the divine and all is well. Well, Hannah, this concludes this edition of Fall, where we covered the Tao Te Ching chapter 13. And it was a joy as usual. I love our chats. I say this all the time, um, but it is. It's super fun, and I feel energized at the end, and I feel like there's like this mental shift at the end of our conversations. It's amazing so another great episode of forgive and live yeah actually to go back to our conversation i feel like i use this as a technique because like i feel like when i shift on here it's because i'm shifting the the whatever habitual thoughts are in my brain so i think this is a tool i use so me too. Yeah. Interesting. I've never thought about it that way, but no, yeah, I think you're I right. Either. But yeah. Oh, okay. Well, see, and that's how, that's how this helps us too. So this isn't just us sitting here, you know, demanding that people should follow us. This is us helping ourselves. And yes. Growth, our personal growth. Yeah. And our listeners are along for the ride, but yeah, so I hope everyone has a safe and happy week and we will see everybody next time.